the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to Signpost. This is Santos Arizari. Again, I'm your small host with more of a student. And, of course, here with Pastor Bill Boylan, who's, who's really talking about the, the family tree aspect or visual of how things happen in, in their way. So you missed that first half hour. Shame on you. But um, also, again, I just want to say that Andrew Boylan is not here with us today. He had a prior engagement. But also remember that he, on July 1st, he's going to be... I believe in Walden Bookstores. No, yeah, Walden. I uh, no, Barnes & Noble. I'm sorry. Oh, Walden okay. doesn't exist anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Barnes & Noble up in Salem, Mass- Salem, New Hampshire on Saturday, July 1st. So make sure he's going to he's gonna be doing a signing of his uh, book that he has. So again, don't forget, Andrew Boylan will be July 1st at Barnes & Noble at Salem, New Hampshire. Um, I believe he's there at noon on. So uh, I'll try to get more information as time goes by. Um, again... So, Pastor, we were talking about the the structural of what's happening with the Bible and the stories and everything behind it. So, go ahead. You're saying? Well, my real point was I was mentioning the fact or talking about the fact that uh, when I was uh, teaching the junior highs in our church, I mm-hmm. wanted them to see the the details of the faith in the in the larger scheme of things so that they had a context and we're not trying to just memorize dates events people but rather that they saw the storyline mm-hmm. that they they saw what God is doing and and one of the things that uh, I often bring out not just to junior high kids in a Sunday school class but just to uh uh, Christians in in general, and my and I keep reminding myself of these things because it's easy to forget them. We get rolling and we forget the basics. Uh, uh, one of the things that is recognizable is that God uh, is is kind of stuck on what He's doing. I don't mean stuck on Himself. I mean He keeps doing it over and over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and and it's recorded for us so that we can discern. I like that word. We can discern when God is acting with us what, that He is acting. We can we can see His hand in our lives. Right. Yeah. And we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago, and part of what was the purpose of saying all that I did in the first half hour was to bring us up to Luther, because because there is nothing new under the sun. And what God did with Martin Luther, he had done numbers of times before. And I think one of the most interesting to read and to study uh, is the kingdom of Josiah. Uh, Josiah came to the kingship as a young boy. Uh, he, I don't know where it came from. I'm, I, I really uh, uh, would have if I'd have been thinking about this earlier, and I have to confess that I, uh, it just came back to my mind, so I didn't have a chance, which I usually do, to go back and refresh myself on all the details. But in general, in general, what happened was that Josiah got this urge to cleanse the country. He was the new king. He, he wanted to, to break down the altars. He wanted to, uh, well, really what he wanted to do most of all was get the temple back in shape. 
Right. The worship had become so defunct right. that they had let the, the temple go to rack and ruin. And that was how it all began. So uh, Josiah assigns uh, those, uh, puts people in, in charge of reverbishing, so to say, the temple. Mm-hmm. In the course of that is when they found the Bible. It had been lost in the rubble. Okay. And, and when they bring the Bible back to the king and he reads, the, it's really the covenant because that's what the Bible is. Right. I mean, you talk about the old and new covenants. And by the way, uh, if there's anything really important to get a handle on for our listeners uh, or for any Christian, really, but uh, uh, if, if you're really in your beginnings of your faith, if you've just tuned us in and you're just beginning to think about these things and trying to get your own perspective on the Bible, uh, you can do yourself a really great favor if you understand the nature of covenant. The Bible is in two parts, the old and the new covenants. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, this is a new covenant in my blood when he serves communion or he serves the the bread and the the wine to his disciples on the Last Supper. Because a covenant is more than a contract. It's it's more dynamic. Uh, In a covenant, God makes a promise and he cannot break his word. Uh, we, we are given to know that if God ever does lie, you won't know it because everything will disappear, including <laughs> God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the, the, the existence of God depends in a very real way on who he is. Mm-hmm. And so does our existence. We, we are the creatures uh, he has made. We have come from his hand. We are sustained by his grace. He give, if people are listening to us and you haven't been thinking about it, you just took a breath a few seconds ago. God gave you that breath. Right. He gives us every breath we breathe. Mm-hmm. We don't usually think in these terms, but when we begin to, uh, uh, our idea of God really expands. Exactly. Can I just, I just want to say one thing. This morning when I was doing my... Uh, this morning, I, every morning I walk my dog, and and you know, for early in the morning, and I happen to live next to a reservation here in Cambridge, and 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 I also do my devotions as we're, as I'm walking, and I, I was taken back by, you know, I I went to God and I said, you know, God, I'm not going to ask for anything today. I just want to thank you for the trees, for for the the dog that I have now, you know, and it was just it was amazing. I was I was taken so back by it because, you know, you think about. Um, you know, here we are on this little pebble that we call Earth that spins thousands of miles per hour. And, you know, God's the gravity that holds us together. The water doesn't float away. We don't float away. You know, and those are the things, like you just said, that we kind of take for granted that we don't yeah. thank God for those things because that is yeah. God. That yeah. is God that does that. Yeah. You know, that he allows that for it to happen. You know, and uh, so when you say that, I was like, I, I thought about this morning, it's, it's absolutely so true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah, he, he's made himself known in what he has made. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Paul, and when he writes to the Romans to get them straight on the grace of God, they, they tend to, and we tend to give ourselves too much credit for everything. <laughs> but, but it all comes from the hand of a gracious God. Amen. And <clears throat> if you begin to see the... And it can, I mean, in our scientific age, how can you possibly miss the wonders of creation? Amen. I mean, they, so much has been exposed to us as to the secret things that we don't see, the molecules, the invisible things right. that we have discovered. And 
and and somebody's had that thought. Right. And somebody's holding it all together. I think I, I think of a story that I, I read when I was a young man, and um, and I I forgot the gentleman's name, but there was an astronaut who went to the moon, and you know, when you're an astronaut, not only are you a, a pilot of of sorts, but you're also a scientist, mm-hmm. you know. And he was on the moon, you know, and he saw the 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 Earth rising in the horizon. And he started crying, and he says, how can we say this was just an yeah. explosion? And he gave himself to Christ on the moon. Yeah. I remember that. And then he was like, he was like one of the, one of the biggest um, researchers for Noah's Ark. He kept looking for Noah's Ark for the rest of his life. And I remember that story. I was like, wow, what an amazing story. That yeah. You see God's creation, a big blackness, and coming from this beautiful blue marble floating in there in this blackness. And he gave himself to God yeah. right there and there because he could see God's glory, yeah, yeah. and it's amazing. It's like, and it's like we again, again, we forget yeah. all the like you said, the breath that we take. Yeah, you know, God let us have it for that day, that moment, at that second. Well, and that's why Paul did say in, in Romans one, he says, "We have no excuse if we don't know God. It's because of our sin and the blindness that it brings and the darkness of our hearts." Amen. Because. God has made himself known right. in the things he's made. Right. And and that's why some people say, well, you know, how can God judge people who have never heard of him? Well, he doesn't. There's no such a person. <laughs> exactly. God has made himself known to everybody. It's exactly. as plain as day. Exactly. But exactly. We, we close our eyes to it. Paul has a wonderful image there. I know we're off a little. Well, not really. Not really. We're, we're talking we're... about, you know, Luther's discovery and uh, how when he really saw what the Bible was teaching, he changed the Western world. And hopefully it's wrapping around uh, the earth. But but, <clears throat> but what, what I started to say was that uh, uh, when Paul talks about what our sin is and how it affects our mind and our attitude, uh, he draws a picture in Romans 1, 18 and following. Uh, in the beginning of that, book in the beginning of Romans up to the 17th verse, he's really setting the stage for what he's going to write to them about. And he says in the 16th, 17th, and 17th verses that uh, just as Abraham, uh, not Abraham, let me get on track here, Habakkuk, the prophet, was told, take your stand, look at what I'm going to say, don't lose this, preach about it. I mean, however you want to put it, he says, the just shall live by faith. Mm. Yeah, Habakkuk two four, and that becomes the thesis sentence for the Book of Romans, right. which explains that. So, if you're going to understand the saving grace of God, it's really important to know what we've been saved from. <laughs> this isn't just some abstract thing. Uh, we are fallen beings. We, by nature, are in darkness. Uh, this is how Paul puts it, by the way, to the Ephesians to remind them of how great the grace of God is. He says, you, meaning the reader, I read it, uh, means me, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, right. following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following desires of body and mind. And so we were, like the rest, children of wrath. 
<laughs> we li- I mean, what a powerful statement. It is. I mean, when we're having a good day and the sun's shining and we're eating a, uh, you know, a, a ham and cheese sub, sub with a Coke or something, <laughs> we don't think we don't, everything's so bad. But when we read that passage, you say, but what's God's point of view on this? Uh. You're children of wrath. Because you've taken my world over and you're playing God with it, right. and it's you, true. Yeah, and it's absolutely true. And so you might as well be an idol to right. yourself. You're exactly. an idol worshiper. We, we put ourselves on a pedestal and and forgot about who yeah. actually should be on that pedestal except yeah. us. So, uh, so after he says that to the Ephesians, he then says, "But God." Paul has a number of these "but gods" in there, you know. And there's two words for "but." One is just kind of a continuation. It's a little Greek word "day" for those that are interested. But there's another word that's much more powerful. It's "Allah," and Allah means "but." In this contradistinction to that, but but God is not that way. God is different. Right. But God, who is rich in mercy. Out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead. Wow. Made us alive Mm -hmm. together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And it's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Otherwise, you would go around boasting about it. Not, Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand right. that we should walk in them. Amen. What a, what a passage to put us in proper perspective. Right. Now, that I don't say that Luther picked up on that passage particularly, but that's what he was getting at. That's what he discovered when he read his Bible. It wasn't that he was some superstar because he was going to the, he had gone to the monastery and he was now a, an officer of the church and a monk. And he, he, he felt it. Uh, uh, this is a little bit crude, but he confessed everything, everything, everything. He was always confessing his sin. And finally, one of his superiors says, Martin, you do not have to confess every time you pass gas. <laughs> it was certainly a telltale uh, okay. way to get at Luther's mentality. You know, okay. he was really weighed down by his guilt and his sin. And he just couldn't do anything to get rid of it. He lived with it. You uh-huh. know, and then finally, uh, when he go to confession, the poor guy listening just kind of had had it up to here. You know, with all the things, the minutia of what he was confessing. A guy comes, guy must have been like, oh, here's Martin again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> and then Luther came across these great passages. Right. And he said, my goodness, it's it, the Bible is telling me a different story than I've been telling in my teaching and, and what I've been believing growing up. Right. The, the church has been telling me that I must work my way out of my situation through all kinds of of penance and different right. things that I must do. And... Uh, and consequently, uh, I have seen myself in the depths of my depravity more than I ever saw it before because I'm looking at it squarely on, and I don't feel relieved at all. And then he came to these great passages, you know, but God was rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us. And he began to see them all over the Bible. And then he began to challenge the church leaders and the church officials by posting those 95, we call it the 95 thesis, right. but it's 95 questions he has with right. the teaching of the church. 
And and this was, as I said at the very beginning, this was being dis- rediscovered all over Western Europe. Uh, that was the preaching of Knox up in uh, up in Edinburgh at his church. That was the that was the preaching and the teaching that Wycliffe had brought to light in the uh, century before. Mm-hmm. And they suffered for it because it was a threat to the church. Uh, it was a threat to take away the power of the church because the church was holding people's sins over them and professing that the that the system the church had created was the only way out from under this feeling of guilt and shame and 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 uh, separation from God, and and Luther said, "Now I've read the Bible. No, it's Christ alone." So, Pastor, I guess the question I have is, how did that spread like wildfire? Because you think about that, I mean, um, I mean, it's it's sort of like Luther. The, the, those thesis papers became like the basis of of what Christianity somewhat is today. I mean, I know everybody has mm. different doctrines and so on and so on and so on. But they've still boiled back mm. to those original questions, mm. those 95 mm. questions. Mm. So how did that take off? Okay. Well, I think there's, there's, a, there's a spiritual fact at work, and there's a practical matter that attends it. Uh, I take everything from the hand of God. He mm-hmm. says he's totally sovereign. So whether it's Luther getting a handle on the truth and seeing it for what it is in the Bible, or whether it's Gutenberg developing movable print, the internet back then. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you've <laughs> right. got you've got uh, something offered to Luther that a person 50 years before didn't have. Right. And it was a way to communicate. Right. I mean, you think about we're sitting here. How many? We don't know how many people we're talking to. Right. Uh, uh, Luther, uh, you know, he had print. Uh, you know, we have social media, the internet. The uh, so that's one of the ways in which God spreads His word. But, but, uh, let me take us back a minute. I think I got a little sidetracked. Just Josiah as an example uh. of how God works, and I think He does this all the time, one way or another. Uh, so Josiah had an. Inkling. And he knew things were wrong. He wanted the temple shaped up. He didn't like what he saw when he looked out his window. He thought God was being ashamed, ashamed by the way they were treating his building. You know, the temple was really God's home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like the sheik's tent in the midst of the tents of the village. Mm-hmm. Sheik, the king lived there, and right. that's what the temple was. Right. The temple was in the middle, that was symbolically God's mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And it was a mess. And in the middle, so since he took a step in that direction, he was drawn. He was drawn by, I think I could say, circumstances. But when he got going, God uh, met him. And he met him in his word. He met him because the Bible was rediscovered. The scriptures were rediscovered in the temple. They had not been studied. They had been neglected. Right. They, the people who found them brought them to the king. The king read what he was supposed to do as the king and what the people were supposed to be as the people of God, and he was ashamed. It humbled him. And when he humbled himself before the mighty hand of God, God acted, and he raised up Israel again, and Israel thrived for a while under Josiah and all. And I think that's a pattern. I think that's a pattern. You know, I I went to a, a church. It's very interesting. The Byfield Parish Church I served for 49 years. It's the first independent congregational church in America. 
The Congregationalists were part of this reform movement after Luther. They were a hundred years afterwards. Uh, what happened was Luther came to the forefront in 1517, mm-hmm. and that was 500 years ago this year, Man. and he posted his thesis. Then the gospel uh, spreads across northern Europe because, again, like we mentioned in the first half hour, Haas over in Czechoslovakia, Wycliffe over in England, the Huguenots in France, uh, the, the Reformed faith, as it's come to be called, began to spread across northern Europe. And in England, there were those Christians who were reawakened to what the Bible was teaching who wanted to purify the church. They wanted the, all it shouldn't be going on in the life of the church removed so that they would have a pure church. And they got tagged Puritans for that reason. Uh, they, the, the king had taken over the English church, and he wasn't so happy about being purified. <laughs> so as a result, they were persecuted. Right. Many were dying at the stake, especially their pastors. And the pilgrims, who had no power, they got out. They went to Holland, and they stayed there about 10 years, but then they ran into different kinds of problems in, in Holland. They had freedom of worship, but their children were becoming Dutch. And right. that was a big issue. Right. So they got went away again. They couldn't go back home. Could have been the same problem. They would have been persecuted. So they go to North America and they land here, just about sixty miles south of where we sit today, right. in Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was one church. But then you had the Mover Shakers in England, who also became Christians, and they had power in Parliament. They they had representatives. They could talk to the king. They could they could give their. But the king closed Parliament. Right. He said, "Okay." You're not. Pa- it sounds familiar, but he, they wouldn't pass his tax bills. <laughs> That's true. King Charles. Uh-huh. And the, what are they going to do? They said, what we will do is, and this was not all of them by any means, but it was the leader's idea. We'll go over into North America. We will plant ourselves there and grow a godly colony. And when we are strong, we will come back to England and replant ourselves in England mm-hmm. and we'll be a revival force in our own country. They, they didn't want to abandon England. They, wanted a, they had developed a strategy how to save England. Ah. Yeah, so they come here. But they don't come 102, which were the pilgrims. They came on one ship one time. And 102 people came, and 50 lived through the first winter. Right. So they were a pretty small group. Right. But, but they, but the Puritans who had their power in Parliament, Charles closed the Parliament. He wouldn't let them meet. He put his soldiers there. He was going to run the show without them if they wouldn't play ball. And so he kept it closed for 10 years, from 1630 to 1640. Parliament was not allowed to meet. And during those 10 years, 25,000 Christians selected. It was like they sifted England for the best seed. And they were put on boats, and they came here, and they they settled. They got a charter for the king. He was happy to get rid of them. He wasn't keeping them. He, the further they went, the more he was happy. And he gave them a charter that went from the Child River right you can practically see it from here in Boston, three miles south of the Childs, which includes Quincy and mm-hmm. down to Duxbury, and then three miles north of the Merrimack River, almost to the New Hampshire border. That was the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Wow. And that was where. And and 
the first church that broke away from the English system, which they brought with them, which would was to uh, collect taxes. Really, it's what they amounted to the minister's rate. Everybody in the co- community, everybody in the town, had to pay the minister's rate. Now they were all congregationalists at the first, so it was all one church. But they had to pay to pay the pastor and to keep up the property. But there were problems with that. And, and the problems were, well, I won't go into all that, or we wouldn't have time for the rest of the program. But, but it was a problematic thing. Uh, and, and, and it put a pressure on the community that a lot didn't like. And the first church to break away from that system and to just depend on the generosity of the congregation through giving it the worship was the Byfield Parish Church I served. Wow. And they were therefore independent of the government because, you see, the government was collecting taxes then paying for the church and paying for the pastor. Uh, and at Byfield, the church, the, the people are allowed to keep their own money, pay their own pastor, and keep up their own property. Nice. And so this, when I came to the church in 1969 as a I was a student at the time, and, and I was called to the church. And here on the bottom of the sign is First Independent Congregational Church in America. And here I am, a history student. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't put me in a more interesting spot. You know? But but they, they came out. But they, they, then that's 1630, which is not that far from 1517, 100 years. You know? Right. So— so that's a re- so the reform movement comes over into North America, and really uh, there were other colonies. The Virginians they came here to plant tobacco. The Georgians came for their own reasons. There were the thirteen colonies, but the key colony I would argue was Massachusetts. Right, Massachusetts was the colony that gave America its start. Right, and and it was very interesting. And I don't know the man, uh, our governor uh, Duval Patrick, who was the governor back when uh, when we had the uh, bombing. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, at the marathon, when he was at the Holy Cross Cathedral for the worship service they had after. Uh, that Monday, it was a Thursday, the president came, President Obama came, and when Duval Patrick got up, I was re- I was listening on radio, I was coming from here, in fact, I was listening, I, I listened to the show, the, the station, <laughs> <laughs> I was listening on the way up, uh, and uh, it was being broadcast, uh, and he said, Massachusetts created America. That was Governor Patrick, not me. <laughs> not not a, not some pastor. That was interesting. Oh, oh, pastor, I hate to say this, but we got to wrap this up. We got oh, a few no. minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me just let me just say this one thing. L- Luther went to the monasteries, and in the monastery, found the Bible, mm. and the Bible changed his life. And that's really the key. God says, "My word does not come back to me void. It accomplishes the purpose to which I send it." And if America is going to be great again. It's got to go back to what made it great in the first place. Amen. And what made it great was the Word of God these people brought, believed, obeyed, and put into practice. They were not perfect. Far from. We can we can either uh, appreciate their repentant spirit or we can take revenge on them for all the mistakes they made. Let's not take revenge on them. Let's appreciate them. <laughs> amen, amen. Once again, this is Santos and Rizari. We're wrapping things up here. This is Signpost. Uh, we're glad that you're listening to us. Just a quick reminder again that Andrew Boylan was not here today because he had a prior engagement. But you can see him. Don't forget July 1st. He's going to be at Barnes & Nobles in Salem, New Hampshire. And I believe it's a 12 o'clock start. Uh, he will be there signing his book. Uh, go say hi to him. Uh, Pastor, thank you once again for, for being here this week. Uh, always good to be with you, Santos. Bye.
See everybody next week here on Signpost. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 